some signs of life. I think we're seeing some signs of life from this offense. The Tigers avenge their Tuesday loss to the Indians and come back with a 4-1 victory over one of the best pitchers in baseball, and they get another strong pitching performance from Matthew Boyd. I'll break down the game. We'll preview today's matchup in the series finale, and we'll take a little look at Nico Goodrum, where he came from and what we like about him so far on today's Locked On Tigers podcast. I am your host, Chris Brown. It is Thursday, April 11th. And before we begin, as always, I remind you to go ahead and download, rate, and review on whatever your preferred podcasting app is, whether it's iTunes or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or, of course, the new podcasting app Himalaya. And when you get in your car, go ahead and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Tigers. Uh, So, yeah. I guess today we'll, we'll start with the pitching today because, you know, the offense kind of woke up, and so we'll finish with that. But Matt Boyd has traditionally been a pretty good pitcher against the Cleveland, and he comes out, and it's a really cold day. Looks like it was, you know, about 40 degrees, probably felt colder. And it doesn't get off to the best start when Leonis Martin bunts his way on to open the game. And, and I'm going to go ahead and go full J. Jonah Jameson and declare that Leonis Martin is now a menace to the Tigers after hitting a home run to lead off the game the other day. Comes here with a bunt. He's a, he's a triple threat. Yeah, so Boyd was undeterred by that bunt, and he started pounding the ball inside and got really weak contact, and there was a wild pitch that put Martin on second. Jordy Mercer blocked a hard line drive from Carlos Santana, popped in the air, and he managed to throw him out, and they got out of the inning. So not not much going on in the second inning. Get to the third inning, and Boyd gets a strikeout, and then he strikes out Leonis Martin again, although Martin almost hit a home run, another home run, menace. It was a foul ball, though. And then he gets a pop-out. And it was basically a perfect inning for my buddy Brandon Day, who wanted to create a, a stat that just combined strikeout percentage and pop-out percentage. Those are basically the two best things a pitcher can do is get strikeouts and pop-outs because they never, almost never, turn into hits. And Brandon wanted to call it K-pop, which I thought was perfect. So yeah, in the fourth inning, we get a little bit more hard contact than we've seen earlier in the game. Mostly weak contact at that point. Carlos Santana hit a hard-hit double to the gap. And then Boyd gave up a hard-hit grounder to third base, but they knocked it down, got him out, and no damage. Then the fifth inning runs around, and he issues a leadoff walk on five pitches, and basically all five were balls. He got a favor on the 3-0 count. But then he got a pop-out and a weak grounder that Harrison and Mercer did really well to turn into a double play and got out of it. And so we head to the sixth, and he hits Leonis Martin on the hand to start the sixth, perhaps also viewing him as a menace like I do. Uh, and that can't have been a, a good feeling on such a cold day. But then he strikes out Jose Ramirez on a slider and strikes out Jordan Luplo on a slider. Then he walks Carlos Santana, their first real threat of the day, two men on. And then he gave up a line drive gapper on an 0-2 slider that just hung out over the plate to Hanley Ramirez to make it 2-1. It's really a key point in the game here. The Tigers are only up 2-1 and still two men on, but he was able to freeze Jake Bowers with a fastball right down the middle. So the final line for, for Matthew Boyd, six innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, two walks, six strikeouts, almost exclusively using his four-seam fastball and his slider again. Couple curves, couple change-ups thrown in, handful of two-seamers. Just ten swings and misses this time, five on his fastball, four on his slider, one on the change. And this isn't a scary lineup right now, really. It's the same, same sort of thing with his Yankees. Wasn't really a scary lineup. But it does say something, to me at least, that he, he didn't have his best stuff yesterday, and he still gave up just one run over six innings. So... And he now leads all of baseball with 29 strikeouts. So Matthew Boyden might be real. Still need a little bit more data. So uh, in the seventh inning, Victor Alcantara comes in, gives up a leadoff double to Roberto Perez. It was a deep fly ball, but not really stung. It was hit hard, but, but not a liner. And I think there's a chance a speedier left fielder could have caught that. But I also don't think it was such an easy play that, that Kristen Stewart will get docked another run, basically, or another out. Alcantara gets a leadoff double, but then he gets a pop-up, and they pull him. They bring in Daniel Stumpf, who is, again, 
only throwing in like 87, 89, but he uh, got a swinging strikeout on a slider that sent Brad Miller's bat flying like really far. And then he got a hard hit ground ball from Leonis Martin. So that gets him through the seventh, and, and that may be the inning that we'll see Drew Verhagen take over eventually. Uh, Garden Hire does seem to want to have the, the bullpen rolls. But in the eighth inning, it's, it's Joe Jimenez time, and he gets another weak pop-up from Jose Ramirez. Now 0, 0 for 8 in the series against the Tigers. His struggles have really continued going on until like the second half of last season. Uh, he strikes out Tyler Naquin in a fastball, so it's two men out. And then he walks Santana, and he walks Hanley Ramirez, and he walks Jake Bowers to load the bases. It was a fraught situation. They, uh, they bring in Buck Farmer, and he gets a grounder against the speedy runner Greg Allen. It was a really good play by Josh Harrison to get it going to his right and throw to second to get the force out. And then so Shane Green comes in in the ninth, leading 4-1, gets a grounder to second. He's throwing his changeup. He gets a, a strikeout on a cutter and gets a weak grounder from Leonis Martin to get the save. He is the first pitcher ever since the saves have been tracked to have eight saves in his team's first 12 games, which is an indication of his quality, but also of the Tigers' offense being a little bit iffy. Uh, but he doesn't get a shutdown although he does have the most shutdowns in baseball. And so what's a shutdown, you ask? Well, this is another stat that uses win expectancy, win probability, which I was talking about yesterday. Uh, and we know that not all saves are created equal. Like You can come into a game with the bases loaded and nobody out, and you're only up by one run. And if you get them out, that's a save, and that's a great job. But you can also come into a game with nobody on the bases and your team's up three runs, like Green did yesterday. And you get a save for that, too. And in the silliest instance, you, you can get a save for just pitching three innings at the end of a game. Uh, and the most infamous instance of this was back in 2007 when Wes Littleton pitched the final three innings for the Texas Rangers in a game they ended up winning 30-3. to And he got a save for that. So, yes, stay, saves are terrible stats. But there are a pair of stats called shutdowns and meltdowns. This is You can find them on fan graphs. And basically the idea is, is any reliever who comes into a game and increases his team's chances of winning by 6% gets a shutdown. And any pitcher who decreases his team's chances of winning gets a meltdown. And it's a more accurate assessment of the actual difficulty of a reliever's job. And as a bonus, you can award them to middle relievers and setup men, too. You know, it's not just saves for the closer. And Joe Jimenez almost got a meltdown today. I think he dropped their chances of winning by 4%. So anyway, that's the pitching. Solid performance. Got iffy a couple times, but only one run. You can't complain about that. And at the plate, you know, they had a bit of a Sunday lineup today. It was, you know, John Hicks, Dustin Peterson, Gordon Beckham, so no Candelario. But then again, the bottom of the order kind of always looks rough. So they start off, you know, it's Trevor Bauer, one of the best pitchers in baseball, throws 30 different pitches. He, he starts the game off with a strikeout of Harrison, but then Castellanos barrels one up and hits it to the warning track. But Martin, the menace, catches it and tracks it down. And then with two outs, Cabrera hits a flare single. It's just the second hit that Bauer had given up this year and the first to a right-handed hitter. And then Nico Goodrum hits a home run on the first pitch fastball, 108 miles an hour, 375 feet. Really nice to see that. And Stewart follows it up with a solid single, but then John Hicks flies out. They threatened again a bit in the second inning with Dustin Peterson uh, hit a ground rule double to start the inning on a hanger. But then Bauer struck out Gordon Beckham looking, and he, so he failed to move the runner up. And again, for all the talk of fundamentals and limiting strikeouts, we're still seeing a lot of guys failing to move up the runner and striking out. Then Jordy Mercer pops out, and Harrison almost bloops one in, but not quite. So they, they went 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position in that inning. So we move on to the fourth inning. There's a bit of a threat. Hits leads off with a, a perfectly placed weak grounder, but then Peterson and Beckham both strike out. But then you get another weak single from Mercer. So there's two on for, with two out, and then Harrison flies out. So that, that's the end of that threat. Moving up to the six, Hicks strokes a line drive homer to lead off the six off a Bauer changeup, about 380 feet. Uh, so that's nice to see. That puts the Tigers up 3-1 at that point. And then uh, Peterson strikes out, and line drive double from Beckham on an 0-2 pitch. So you know that, that Bauer is struggling a little bit. 
And then Beckham tags up and moves up on a flyout by Mercer. And then a great at-bat from Josh Harrison ends in a single up the middle that puts them up 4-1 and ends Bauer's day. And they got 10 hits off him. Again, they, he'd only given up one hit coming into the game. So then they, they bring in a reliever who strikes on to Castellanos. Same reliever in the seventh inning. Gives up a line drive single to Cabrera, but then strikes out Nico, strikes out Stewart, strikes out John Hicks on a 10-pitch at-bat, which is you know unusual for John Hicks, who's very aggressive. Head the eighth inning. Peterson leads off with a single, but another strikeout from Beckham, his third of the day. Jordy Mercer flies out, and they actually had Peterson picked off at first, but the pitcher, Neil Ramirez, had a bad pickoff throw, to, so that could have been disastrous for them because then Josh Harrison walked, so there's two men on with Nick Castellanos up, uh, up, but he strikes out to go 0 for 5 on the day, and it's the first time this season that he failed to get on base. So that's the offense. They score four runs. It's more than enough to win. Dozen hits. And uh, like I say, you know, four runs isn't an offensive explosion, but we saw some signs. We saw some signs, and, and I'm feeling a little bit better about it. It was another player's broadcast, so lots and lots of dead air again. It just, it's just not ideal, but uh, I complained enough about that in yesterday's show. And then after the, after the game, I saw this, that they were interviewing Matt Boyd, and he was really happy with his defense, particularly the duo up the middle of Harrison and Mercer. And he actually called them salt and pepper. So I have to assume they're okay with that. And if so, I approve of that silly nickname for a double play duo. And uh, speaking of salt and pepper, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? What a man you were. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence when it comes time to push it in the bedroom. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra performance in the bedroom. And I can confirm that it makes you want to shoop. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no talking to a pharmacist, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So now just a quick preview of today's game against Cleveland and Shane Bieber. And Bieber was kind of known as this guy with insane command coming through the minors. He walked just 19 batters in 277 career minor league innings. But then he got to the bigs, and his stuff was pretty damn good, too. Uh, his fastball set at 93. He's got a good slider and a solid curve. The Tigers actually saw him twice last year. The first time, he absolutely dominated them. Seven innings, four hits, one walk, no runs. But the second time, they got to him for nine hits and four runs and six innings. That was in mid-September, though, so he may have been a bit tired. Uh, Jamer Candelario and Kristen Stewart both had two hits off him, but other than that, nobody's done much, and there's been no extra base hits against him. He's... Pitched twice so far this year. Actually, his first appearance was in relief because they didn't need a fifth starter. But his first start was against the Blue Jays, who the Tigers, of course, saw. And they aren't terribly offensively powerful. But he went six innings, two earned runs, nine strikeouts. He throws an awful lot of strikes and a lot of good strikes. So this should be a pretty good challenge for the Tigers. And Cleveland, of course, gets Spencer Turnbull. He made his MLB debut against the Indians uh, in relief last year. One inning, struck out, one batter. But no one from this current lineup has seen him. So there's not a whole lot to, to discuss there. And I did have this suggestion from on Twitter from uh, LegendDJC13 to mention what relievers are available for each game when I do these previews, and I think that's a pretty good idea, so I appreciate him for listening and suggesting it. But So I'll just say this. I think the bullpen's actually in, in pretty good shape right now. You know, they had that off day on Monday. If they do need some innings, I would expect that they'll turn to Alcantara and Farmer, who both pitched yesterday, but they combined for like 11 pitches, so that wasn't a big deal. They could also turn to Blaine Hardy, who did pitch two days ago, but 
he only threw 18 pitches, and he hasn't pitched much this season, so that's another guy if they, if they need long relief. And basically, I think just about everybody is going to be available except for Joe Jimenez, who threw 29 pitches yesterday. I don't think he's available. And Daniel Stumpf probably isn't available. He pitched two days in a row. It wasn't a ton of pitches, but two days in a row, I don't know. You don't want to pitch a guy three days in a row, especially one whose velocity might be down. But, yeah, so if, if the Tigers have a lead, I expect that the eighth inning will probably belong to Drew Verhagen, even though it's only his second outing. And I do think Shane Green would be ready to go again, so... I think the bullpen's in good shape. And finally, like I said before, I want to just talk about Nico Goodrum for a bit because I have been mentioning his name a lot and I you know, do a lot of this exit velocity stuff. And I just want to elaborate a little bit more on him in case you aren't familiar with his story. And I've been pretty positive about him this season, and I figure it's, it's time to take a deeper look. So first of all, I know he's relatively new to the Tigers. He's, this is his second season here, but he's actually not young. You know, He's not old either, but he's 27. He's basically a week older than Nick Castellanos, and they were both taken in the same draft, 2010. And... He was considered one of the better prep prospects in the state of Georgia in 2010. Good, solid athlete. He also played basketball, shortstop with a big arm and some speed. And I don't think many people thought he was going to stick at shortstop, but, uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting tools he prospected with developmental ability. So, yeah, he was taken 71st overall by the Twins, which is about 25 picks after Castellanos, three picks after Drew Smiley, former Tiger, and one pick after Angelton Simmons, and that's neither here nor there. I just thought it was kind of interesting. And he just kind of languished in the minors. He spent three years in rookie ball. He was considered one of the Twins' top 30 prospects many years by Baseball America, but I know he, he played a ton of positions and never really stood out in any one way. He did a lot of things okay. And he didn't make it to AAA until 2017, which was one of his best seasons. He hit 265 with 13 homers and 11 steals. Not, not a ton of production there, but solid. And the Twins even called him up that September, but he went just one for 17 with 10 strikeouts. So I don't know if that performance had a lot to do with their decision to cut him that winter. It was probably just kind of time for a new scenery for him. And you see that happen a lot in the minors. But the Tigers coaching staff, being mostly former Twins, knew him. And I assume that's part of the reason he got a non-roster invitation to spring training in 2018. And he just produced. He hit his way onto the roster. I didn't think he had a chance, and he did. And the Tigers liked his versatility. He can play a lot of positions, basically everything but catcher and pitcher. And I wasn't a big believer, but he went out and played pretty damn well last year. He hit 245, which is below average, but not too far below average. And he walked at a league average level, and his strikeouts weren't too excessive by today's standards. And then he hit 16 homers and stole 12 bases. So it was solid. And there wasn't anything in the numbers that made it seem like it was particularly fluky. And it wasn't a great performance, but it was one of the better performances on the Tigers last year. They were bad. And so now we come to this year, where he's been their best offensive player so far. And it's obviously a small sample size, but StatCast kind of loves him for his hard hit rate and his sprint speed and everything like that. And he's walking more. Again, it's early. Uh, And I'm not going to say he's a legitimately good player, but there are a lot of indicators there that he could be an above average player with more playing time. And I, I I mostly just want to see him get one consistent defensive position and see if he can become good or, you know, at least above average there. But I think the Tigers value his versatility, so whatever. But, yeah, he's definitely one of the players I'm going to be looking at the most this year, which means that you are probably going to hear about him a lot this year. So just be prepared for that. And that's it for our show today. I appreciate everyone for listening. We've only got one more show left this week. But before that, I would hope that you download, rate, and review this podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And check out some of the other Lockdown Podcast shows. They're, they're fun ones for a lot of cities around there. You can check out what the Yankees are doing or the Indians or the Angels. Maybe we can see the Tigers go ahead and finish another series win today and stay in first place. So good luck to them, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.